just going to get right to the point. My name is Travis Keats Ross. I'm a writer, a musician, and a longtime practitioner of magic. The following is my mystery school. Through the occult, through art, through metaphysics, and through my journey in becoming a good dude and well-rounded human. You're listening to Prag Magic. Ten years ago, I was sort of a mad magician. I uh, used it for nefarious means, and by nefarious I mean I used magic to, well, only generate what was good for me, or, well, what I wanted. Not necessarily good. It's when I almost lost my life in those dark desert days, through my selfish magic, through my self-sabotage, I had a revelation. I was shown that the energy we possess, that we exude, that we breathe, that we breed, sends ripples across this somatic reality and into the ethereal realms. It affects everyone we love, everyone we know, and everyone we don't. That said, here on Prag Magic is another interview with someone who I consider a crusader of the ethereal, a crusader of clairvoyance, and someone that I genuinely think is going to help better the world through their practice. This is Elizabeth Kenamar, and she's on a mission. Well, I'll just let her say it real quick. It's funny because I'm calling myself an occultist, but one of the things I'm trying to do is make it not hidden anymore. Because I don't actually really teach spiritual practice, I just teach communion with other consciousnesses. Elizabeth has already been making a name for herself within, well, the art community. You've probably known or seen her work under The Book of Beasts, her enigmatic Instagram, where she showcases her tattoo work and ethereal art. And it's through that platform I first became aware of Elizabeth. She reached out to me as a, well, I guess I could say fan of the show, and wanted to participate in this mystery school. And so I've been lucky enough to help midwife her introduction to podcasting. Of course, I was all too ready to jump into interviewing with the bare minimum of insight I had about her work through her website, involution.red, and of course her Instagram. But true to her collected form, she invited me over to her home so that I would partake in one of her introductory sessions in occult therapy. I must say, this single session has, in me, garnered a true psychedelic experience and a whirlwind of creative insight. 
In the following interview, you'll hear us reference this session as it was a guided meditation through the 10 spheres of the Hermetic Tree of Life. We talk about her motto, which is that clairvoyance is a birthright. We'll talk about her religious oppressive upbringing, clairvoyance versus psychedelics and how they're similar. The overworld of somatic thought versus the underworld of occult wisdom and how that relates to the recent surge of psychological tenets imposed on occult practice. Elizabeth herself, a medium of sorts, getting her occult therapeutic practice from consorting with unseen beings, largely deities, mythological gods, and other things that permeate in the human unconscious. From Medusa to Lucifer, Elizabeth channels them all. Our talk was recorded in my lovely living room with my dog Zaro and my cat abound, so forgive the interruptions or edits. The following interview was edited down for time. There's a huge session that is being left for Patreon subscribers where you can listen to the full unedited hour and 20 or so minute session at patreon.com slash we the hallowed. Please stay tuned till after the interview for a very exciting, well, announcement concerning both Elizabeth and I and our art collective, We The Hallowed's new salon series. Without further ado, The Book of Beasts. Kitty? Hi. <laughs> That's Kitty Kidder. Hi. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? Starting to realize how much of a, like, cat lady I've become. Oh, I love cats. <laughs> they calm everything down. Yeah, she's a... She's the one I was telling you about that's totally a witch. She must be like 13 or 14. What's her name? Uh, Kitty Kidder. Hi. Hi, beautiful. Her real name was Aja. Hi, beautiful. She doesn't answer to that. When my clairvoyant site started, that was like the first thing that I saw was I could begin to see where my cat was going to go before he went. Oh, cool. So I kept thinking he had already been there already. It was so confusing for a moment. It was like... Wait, he just came by there. What's happening? So what does that look like? In my head, it looks kind of like a reality tunnel. Like, have you ever seen Donnie Darko? Where it shows like the, the funnel right yeah. in front of them. Is, is that what it resembles? Kind of, yeah, it looks, like, it looks like a shadow of the cat going through and it's out of the corner of my eye. So I could just like feel the path. Very cool. But then that faded after a while. I don't see that now. I would have to like practice to see that again. Well, I guess let's let's talk about that. What were the first symptoms when you guys when you were awakening, as it were? Oh God, I have to think about that. What is the first thing that happened when I was awakening? That was so the cat was the very first thing. Seeing him make a path before he went through it. And I started to hear a lot of things. My clairaudience was the first thing that turned on. So another side effect of that was um, 
beginning to hear people's thoughts, especially my partner's. Oh, really? <laughs> so I didn't realize I was doing it at first. Um, it took him a while to tell me that I was doing it. So he would like ask a question in his head and he said, I just kept answering out loud. So that was another side effect. And that was extremely unpleasant. Um, most people's thoughts are um, not good to themselves. Yeah. So that's something that I turned back off. Yeah. Cause I don't like it. I think that a lot of people practice uh, psychic abilities to kind of like pump them up and then realize when they do it, it's not that pleasant. So how do you mean like this internal struggle, this internal dialogue is pretty much just a pervading thing in everybody? Yeah, I, I see it. Um, I call it the committee because, you know, you have all those voices in your head and some of them are definitely you. You know, you're having a conversation with yourself sometimes. But what began to happen is that I opened up to the idea that some of those voices were not mine, that they could be other consciousness and other beings speaking to me. And then a few of them would alter and begin to have a voice that was different than mine. So it literally sounds like someone talking like outside of my body. And for some reason that I still don't understand, it's only my right ear. Okay. So I always hear them over here. It reminds me of like, you know, in psychedelics, like the main kind of hallucinatory thing has been auditory. I think for, for many people for, I wonder if that just as a side note, if that's triggering or getting into something, I don't know if you have any experiences with psychedelics and these experiences well when i was so i was homeschooled when i was younger in alabama in a fundamentalist family right so um the effect that had on me is when i went to college people said that i was kind of like um falling from the ice age <laughs> so i it's i didn't even know who for instance like david bowie was or oh, yeah. andy warhol um, I thought it was odd that one of the most famous bands in the world called, named themselves after a bug. Like, I didn't know who the Beatles were, <laughs> and I didn't get it. Yeah. So, um, anything past Elvis wasn't allowed, which I think is kind of funny, because Elvis really started things with, like, moving his hips, but anyways. Right, right. So, yeah. it was like, Elvis was okay back, and then as far as art, it was, like, impressionist. So they didn't really want me to look or see anything else. And all the history books that, that I were studying were written by Christian theologians. Right. So, I mean, we could have a big conversation if we're ever reading history correctly, right? Because history right. is written by the, by the ones committee. who win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we don't hear the voices of the other people in that. But, um, so I had an upbringing and then um, that severe fundamentalism often causes addiction. So I have um, several of my family members have really bad addiction problems. So I was absolutely terrified that I had it. So I was terrified to touch anything. Right. And I thought like if I just stayed away from it, that that was the safest position I could take. Yeah. And then I really, when I was a teenager, I started reading a lot of Anais Nin mm -hmm. and Henry Miller. And I still love them now. And they had, I ended up reading, I'm not sure how I ended up reading this, that Anais Nin did an experiment with LSD mm -hmm. and she wrote afterwards that she had already had that experience before and didn't. Right. Do it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's me. I want that to be me. So that's, so that's kind of what I was asking later in life. When you had these experiences, have you found like the correlation is pretty yes. spot on? So 
Um, I did mushrooms for the first time this summer. Mm-hmm. And I was determined to open up my clairvoyant site before using anything. So, and that, that took me a long time. I am not one of the people that had um, experiences when I was younger. I had a complete, what I call a clairvoyant blackout. I didn't have any dreams when I started exercising, just nothing. And how old were you when you started? Um, When I started practicing, I was 25. Okay. Uh, What happened to me is that I met my um, partner and his mother and they kept talking about reincarnation and other subjects like that Mm -hmm. and for a while i was like where's this coming from what are you talking about and they're like well it's just what it's just the way it is you know and then eventually my partner was like oh you should just read rudolf steiner right so i was we went over to dinner at his mom's house and she had a library upstairs and she said that if I could find any of the books, which she thought were too buried, because mm-hmm. she's one of those people that has like layers of books on top of books. Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, I know that. Um, she's a lover of reading. Yeah, so I went upstairs, and I'm there's witnesses to this. Within less than five minutes, I had like 13 books. I had found 13 of them. It was just like my hands were just like it's under there, it's over there, it's over there, and I had this like stack, and I started reading like 400 page books in like a week it was like I didn't even you know when you encounter one of those things that you didn't even know that you needed it that badly that you were just starving for it yeah I describe a lot of my experiences within this realm in that way yeah or you just like encounter it voracious like yeah a hunger that was hitherto unknown (laughs) unknown and it just like exists so I I did that for years. I just um, devoured everything in like every Steiner book I could get, um, Madame Blavatsky, um, Annie Besant, you know. This is a very theosophical. Yeah, yeah. And, anth- and the anthroposophist. Right, anthroposophist, yeah. yeah. Um, so any of them, and I, I read them for ages, and their assumption is that it, everything within the universe um, exist and has laws right so even if we don't understand what's happening yet it doesn't mean that there aren't laws that govern it and we can't research and find it right we just don't know those specific laws that govern. yeah, it. yeah. you know I, we're not researching them right now but right so we used to but <laughs> <laughs> you know that was hell yeah. yeah and really you could argue that the scientific method started with buddhism but um there so I was determined to like open up all those faculties on my own. Mm -hmm. And once I did, I was like, okay, now I'm going to experiment with psychedelics and see what this like. And mushrooms is by far the most like the experiences that I have. I mean, that's kind of analogous to my assumption because, well, speaking of analogous, I used to call LSD and shrooms the digital and analog versions of the psychedelic experience. There's something about mushrooms that felt you were tapping into archaic rhythm. You can see a little bit, they like open up the veil of the mineral plane just a little bit, you know? So you can begin to see how even like around people's heads, if you go into a clairvoyant site, is this, um, is like an etheric field, you Uh know? So if you can imagine like the edge of what you perceive to be your aura being a sphere, then that like etheric field is on the, uh, that is that sphere. 
and it's making like different shapes and different geometry which is always moving right yeah breathing so, always breathing and moving yeah. so then you have um it's like slightly hard to explain without a chalkboard but you know <laughs> it would be easier that way but then you have the kind of world soul and astral body outside the etheric shell mm -hmm. and then whatever kind of um resonance and archetypes that you hold allow different energies to come in and then you have the astral world that's inside you know your etheric body totally i mean you're hitting on points that i had written down oh cool. already <laughs> so because you had mentioned like the hermetic tree of life and i wanted to know how that uh correlated as far as your experience and what you discovered later how similar they are or like how similar the hermetic tree is to to your voyages well what happened is I've, I've gone through three different initiations okay so um into the mystery wisdom teaching mm -hmm. um one is anarchist pagan um the other is rosicrucian um and the other is um western hermeticism right um and i've been practicing all of them for it's like forms of them for 13 years now mm -hmm. and what happened is i was doing the practice by myself and um you know i'm on the west coast of america and i was you know seeking groups to study with <laughs> we have a dog visiting us yeah, right sorry, now he's my really dog cute is, uh, yeah. being a total ham and what happened to me is i decided to go to a um gathering in california that happens um once a year uh-huh and I ran into um, what now is one of my um, magical colleagues. And what happened is I kept talking about astral locations that I had visited through right. meditating. And he started being like, oh yeah, that's called this. Right. And he was the first person I met that actually had words for and knew where I was going. So his, and he was like learned in, in these schools or he's a, he is a, western hermetic okay. studies yeah yeah so when i ended up talking with um my magical colleague i got used to the idea that wow these are actual locations that people are going to that occultists have gone to for a long time they have names other people know about them mm -hmm. um so that i don't know if that's answering your question exactly yeah, yeah basically i mean i went a weird roundabout way of asking it when i did the guided meditation that you guided me through you had mentioned that i was hitting textbook answers or imagery of each of the spheres yes. of the and so i was wondering you're finding that you're you're hitting this kind of eternal archetypal yeah the tree yeah. is working with the primal forms right so it's allowing you to observe them separately so you can understand their energies and you know the tree of life is pan-cultural it's everywhere right, totally um so it's something that is not religious mm -hmm. in a way because it's everywhere and doesn't interrupt anybody's own spiritual practice because i don't actually really teach spiritual practice i just teach communion with other consciousnesses so and then whatever spirituality comes out of that for the person is their own you know so that's yeah so, it's non-invasive i guess yeah yeah and i can tell whether people are really getting in there or not by whether or not they're seeing the things that everyone sees there i mean even in all of my studies the hermetic kabbalistic tree of life i haven't studied each sphere right i haven't gotten into that so it was really interesting to hear that i was witnessing 
you know, archetypal ideas of each sphere. And that like brings us to the subject of, you know, the attitude of teaching from the overworld or teaching from the underworld. Right. Because I'm an underworld teacher, mm -hmm. which means that I have to be careful how much information I give out because in order for someone to experience proofs on their own, I you don't want to yeah, yeah, guide them or I don't want to give them the information already. So there's a certain amount of guiding them. It's into like an the inception. Space. Then I know whether you're really in there or not. You know, there's like one location, for instance, that I know people are in there because they go in and they're like, wow, it's like so bright and beautiful, but there's no source of light. You <laughs> right. know? Yeah. Totally. I'll be like, all right, they're in. Yeah. You know, and we go to another location and they hear like all the buzzing of bees right. and bugs and that like whole oh, amazing sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if I told you that was going to be there before we got there, then you would know that you had that experience. Totally. And my position is that I really want people to have their own direct communication and their own sovereign experience of the primal energies without me dictating that to them. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's very, uh, um, it's intuitive in the sense that you're allowing them to kind of discover it for themselves and you're not trying to, like I said, incept. Yeah, well, proofs are really important, right? right. If like, you don't get proofs, you shouldn't do anything. Yeah. If I give you an exercise and it doesn't work, right. I'm full of shit. Yeah. You know? Well, let's like, talk about that because uh, you said the underworld, overworld uh, thing, and this goes back to what you've been posting on Instagram, which is this necessary dichotomy of psychology and occultism. If you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, so when, to me, the occult is kind of funny now because it's more, people call themselves occultists when they're just historians sure. of it. Yeah. You know? Non-practicing, um, like yeah, armchair occultists, I think is the I'm, term. Yeah, it makes sense because we've lost a lot of the exercises that work because people literally died who had them, right. you know, and it was too frightening to share them and you could only pass it around in coded language. Mm -hmm. That was the only safe. So if you didn't know how to read the code, you had no idea what was going on in the text. Yeah, and it's just kind of, yeah, died out, I guess. Yeah, and then there's hypertext too. You know, where you're reading, like, right. I can read something now and be like, oh, that's the two sentences they didn't put, right? That, like, in between that actually would allow you to understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, so... All sides of the triangle. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you have to have both the overworld and the underworld. It's important to have both of them. You can't have one. Totally. Um, we're just heavy into the overworld, which is the masculine side. And that's just, that's hierarchy and programs and, like and data. Anything like more in the material universe. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and having a system that you have to follow. And of course that's necessary. I want my brain surgeon to follow the system that they're right. being taught. Yeah, right? yeah, totally. I, I want my allopathic doctor to do exactly what they're supposed to. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't want, I don't, so, but that would be like an overworld procedure. Mm -hmm. um, and a cult, it's funny because I'm calling myself an occultist, but one of the things I'm trying to do is make it not hidden anymore. Yeah. It's like if my life, life's work goes the way I want, then it will be less and less hidden over time. Yeah. Do you find it necessary for a lot of these practices? I guess in a form of like safety to be a bit submerged, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's always safer if you know more about what's going on around you. Um, so the underworld practices are when you learn to step across the veil of the mineral plane. 
Okay. When you begin to see what's like the underworkings and what's involved within everything that we and they, I think they, I was, you know, after our exercise, I was reading up about it. And funny enough, they call it like the 32nd threshold or something. Oh, yeah. And it has some like Kabbalistic meaning to 32, which is really funny because on my way to see you in like this entire week, that number kept popping up. I also happened to be 32. I remember mentioning to my girlfriend, like, God, that number keeps coming up. And then I find out later that you know, actually breaking through that barrier. There's like a numerological yeah. number for that. And so here I am finally going full throttle on the other end, you know? Yeah. And what kind of, what psychology does, I think at the moment, because it, it's so close to that edge is that when it gets to that edge, instead of passing it, it calls it the shadow and it, it can't quite leap over it. Right, because it's still like affected in the material, like you're still assessing it from an, a material a material position, yeah. and it's psychology puts everything in a position of kind of like just in your head. Right. So, to me, that uh, thinking causes, for me, it looks like in somebody's um, etheric, we'll call it etheric body, you have everybody kind of does look like a Medusa. Oh, really? The the brain kind of like it like comes out, and there's kind of like these two like things mm -hmm. and in a way when you're looking at something your etheric body actually reaches out and goes into it okay um so there's like a you know a sharing of energy that um comes through that way yeah um so what happens sense. when you only perceive the world around you as kind of just symbols that are in your head as opposed to realizing that there's consciousness involved in everything is that those serpents kind of look like an ingrown hair so is this kind of like an animistic or uh, sort of thing like everything has an inherent consciousness or a soul like everything um everything has a ego or soul on a certain plane okay so the ego of the animals is actually a group soul that sits in the astral plane so their ego is just not incarnated like here right in the same way but you can talk to the group soul on the astral plane of that like species of animal yeah. okay that makes sense for like yeah just the archetypal idea of the you know i'm sure there's a better term for it but like the spirit animal you know yeah yeah so and then the more it is um the more it looks lifeless to us here, the kind of further away the layer of the ego is, the further you have to kind of like go through the process to talk to it. So if you were going to kind of, there's land spirits, but the actual ego of rock is actually pretty, you know, is like a little further away from us than the ego of the group animals. I see. Group okay. souls. Yeah. I mean, we used to be group soul, right? We're really just coming into the ego. Mm-hmm recently i mean we were very tribal the and we still of... are very tribal right now right it's like this against that and this against and that. so are you saying that that's kind of just inherent like where we should be as more of a group soul no actually i think um so what we're trying to do right now is develop our um ego and our own individual forces okay. so we're new with that right so we're not it's not that long since we've really considered ourselves individuals right. you used to only introduce yourself by your like family name right. you know not yeah. that long ago so there that's a way in which i 
it's sad to be separated from communication of other things, but it was so important that we went through that. If we can't ask if God exists in the first place, then we're not free yet. Mm-hmm. So in order to become our own selves, we had to go through like a separation from the rest of the universal beings so that we could develop our own forces. Right. So I think like our job is to leave the group soul, develop our own individual forces, and then join back of our own will to communion and love with the rest of the universe. Yeah. But if we never have like our own forces, it's like we we just take energy instead of generate it. Sure. It's kind of like the old, old adage, uh, how can you love anybody else if you don't love yourself? Yes. Yeah. And you can't love other things if you don't know that you're an individual being. Okay. Yeah. But they do kind of like the, the beings that talk to me do kind of like te- tease us. It's like our ego is kind of at like a toddler age right now. Yeah. You know, and when I ask, when I um, check in about it, it's kind of like the earth is our playpen until we figure it out. Oh, I see. <laughs> you know, so yeah. we're kind of, um, and they're giving us like so many chances, right? We come back in and out and in and out and in and out. And we're having every experience we possibly can have. Female, male, any color, every continent, poor, rich. We're coming in and gathering every possible experience we can to develop our ego properly because we can't really understand it unless we live it. This here Pragmagic Podcast is brought to you by Portland, Oregon's Open Source Art Religion and Pragmagic Art Collective, We the Hallowed. For more information, please visit wethehallowed.org or support these fine, pious individuals at patreon.com slash we the hallowed. Remember, that's hallowed like saintly. H-A-L-L-O-W-E-B. Thank you and hold on. You've said time and time again that clairvoyance or clairvoyancy is your birthright or is everyone's birthright. And I wanted to ask if this ties back into is this the kind of weapon or the arsenal we need to get back to our forces? Yeah, I think it's um, time now. I mean, starting in the early 1900s, occultists are starting to out the information. You know, Rudolf Steiner was one of the people that is saying it's for everyone now. Right. You know, that it used to be hidden and it was important that it was hidden so that our um, ego could develop, you know, our individuality could develop. So we come in, we're just born with the ability to do it. It's just there. And it's not specific to anything. You know, it's how we're getting around. It's that feeling in your gut when you meet someone for the first time and you're either like, really, I really like them or I don't like them. (laughs) You know, that for instance is just your karmic memory. So you're just having an intuitive, it's in your body, you know, an immediate intuitive experience of what you've been through before with them. It's something that we're doing all the time as conscious beings we are able to communicate with all the other consciousnesses in the universe if we have the right exercises and are able to develop our abilities so is this because i've always thought or always said that it was when we're young and before the material world has like you know really doused our understanding of everything is that when you know these I guess these tools were at their sharpest. Yeah, or they're uninjured yet. I see. Yeah, you know, they're not their sharpest until 
you develop them later. It's like exercising or anything else. Right. You know, if you lift weights, your body gets stronger. If yeah. you don't, it gets latent, it gets weaker. So you're of the school that like, yes, yeah, the psychic is a muscle. Kinda. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And it's separate from occult training because anybody could just pump up their psychic abilities for any reason at all. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily um, that you could stay very material plane with that. I could just develop my psychic abilities just to read your mind or read your aura or try and figure out what you're doing. You know, that's different than um, picking up an occult practice that leads you to communication with beings that are not embodied currently in a human okay, form. So yeah, you're, you're saying uh, like the, these practices are to basically commune with yeah. unseen forces outside of yourself. Yes. Okay. Past the mineral plane. Past the mineral plane. Okay. Yeah. And they're, and by, and we develop them, they work, they just get stronger. It's, it's, amazing it's kind of like what i discovered after going through all the different initiations is it's really not that big of a deal right. if you just have good exercises they'll get stronger and you can do it and it's your choice how much you want to practice how much you want to deepen that relationship and it can be at any level anybody wants it to be what are the benefits of needing to do that outside of just you know bettering yourself or is there any well, kind of i, think it's I don't want to sound like materialist sure. with it, but what are the symptoms of doing this correctly or well and how does that shape your life well um so there is i'm a person that again as i said earlier like believes in proofs and asks for them right. and of course like i was taught that i had to kind of get break through that because i was taught when i was younger that if you try and ask for proofs you don't have faith that's the greatest right. sin. So you don't dare ask. Once I kind of got over that and started asking for um, proofs and, you know, when you ask for proofs, then they'll ask you to do the exercises, you know, so I would like receive an exercise to do and an amount of time to do it for and be very clear. And this yeah. is like transmitted from? Yeah, from whatever guide I'm working with okay. at a time. I usually work with what we refer to as DD. I don't love that word. I was going to ask, um, yeah, if you... Yeah, I don't really love that word. They don't really love that word. And archetypes but, makes it sound too psychologically based. Yeah, or? and so so for a while, like, I usually work a year and a day with someone. That's just, like, old practice. 366? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if that's... Is there a numerological reason for that? I think so, yeah. 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 It's like the Trinity over and over, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so that's like a classic way to practice. And so I did that with, um, Hikate for a while, Hades, Lucifer, Isis. I'm doing it with Lucifer right now. Right. So they'll give me information about an exercise. And I usually take like an issue to them that I, so the last one I really worked on with Hikate for a year was quitting cigarettes. Oh yeah. So I smoked for 14 years and I loved it and I smoked a lot and I just couldn't, it's like I had just the power to change so many things in my life. Um, it caused me to change my, uh, become aware of my sexuality. It, I've changed my job. I don't have migraines anymore. I was able to quit smoking and it was easy. I see. Yeah. Um, and now uh, recently I've been able to get rid of nerve pain that's been with me for years. Right. That's epic. Yeah. So, I that one I'm really excited about yeah. blowing my mind. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll get back to that yeah. one. So I have yeah, definite questions. So they they give me information and then I try the exercises and um, they just were working. 
over and over and over. And I was doing them with other people. For a while, I had three people and we were practicing all the time and we were trying everything and we were doing blind tests. Okay. One of them is a toxicologist and a scientist. Right. Um, and yeah, so we were just testing and things off of each other and we kept discovering exercises that worked really well and changed things for all of us, even though we all have a very different practice. Um, one of the people was uh, was a Chinese medical doctor and she has basis in psychology mm-hmm. and then toxicologists. And then the other one is a musician and I'm an artist and one is into witchcraft. One is into hermeticism. You know, we all were coming oh, yeah. from different places. It's the power rangers of occultism. Yeah. <laughs> but the exercises worked. Um, and I started to discover that they work even down to my body and um I've had experiences with people where it's just like undeniably we're seeing the same thing in front of us, you know, on the plane. So it just like it, I've gotten like proof after proof after proof. Right. And that's how I do it. I, you know, people work in different layers. Some people work with the ancestor. Realm. Oh yeah. I was going to ask Some about people that. work with uh, the fairy realms. You know, there's everybody has a different pool, Yeah, you know, the, like, is this other what worlds you are so call diverse. the karmic pools? So, well, karmic pools is something else. That is specifically a place to go visit when you're trying to clear up karma. Okay. And this is like past life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and it's not pleasant. Because <laughs> right. if you have a problem and you think it's, you know, you know, it's karmic, then yeah. looking at it usually isn't great. It makes you feel a little, it's strange to go through, but it yeah. clears it up and it allows you to understand the pattern that you continue to make because from another perspective a life is just a day and just like you may like repeat an activity from day to day you can end up repeating an activity from life to life okay so going to the karmic pools allows you to look at patterns become conscious of them and remove them from your um in and out of life so like alan moore talks about how the imagination is an actual realm. And so when I think about you working with these deities and these archetypes, to use words we don't want to sure, use, yeah. I wonder if like how much of that is involved in kind of the collective understanding of the deity or like what you've studied or learned about them, or are you seeing like this kind of pure, unadulterated, like outside force yeah so all of those i think are happening at the same time the imagination is for me a organ of perception so it's tricky right because it's like a digestive yeah it's it's tricky because you're training your own consciousness as the tool of perception right so you're attempting to arrive at a state where you can separate your thinking and your feeling and your willing from each other. Um, And you're trying to step out of feeling antipathy and sympathy for things Mm -hmm. and like back up into a seat of just observation. The imaginative plane is the way in which they begin to communicate in the beginning because images there are the language that they're using. So the primal form is kind of behind still the images. Right, but they're they're kind of casting that image to help kind of you fathom, I yes. guess. Yeah. yeah, to help to understand. And there's so many layers of meditation. You can get into spaces where you just feel inside of them and you're not seeing anything and you're just experiencing the energy. Right, and that's kind of like the purest form. Yeah, and that 
just simply feels amazing once you get there. <laughs> that imaginative organ um, of clairvoyance has to be practiced for, I don't know how your experience was in doing the exercises, but it's like approaching meditation is really hard. You know, like people, when they just say just meditate, it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> I guess, yeah, because that's yeah. a loaded term. I like, think, what do, you know, yeah. like, what do I do? Yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily call this a meditation. You yeah, know? what was your... It was just such a vivid, like a visceral, lucid dream, basically. And it has been since I've been employing that quote-unquote meditation, which is hard not to consolidate all to a subconscious, working through things. Sure. But it's corroborated by further research, stuff I did not know. Yep. One of the recent ones was being shown that the one path through the tree of life was not the only path. I was totally here's a back door to this and that and that. I had no idea. I thought you had to go in order, you know, and then I find out later that that's a total, yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah. There are back doors everywhere. Right. Yeah. And that was like my second one. So it made sense that it was like a sequential, okay, now you've been through it. I'm going to bring you through here and we're just going to, yeah. There's so many different ways to move around those forms. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm glad that you're seeing the back door. For a meditation that's supposed to be sequential and walk you through something it has kind of transcended that it's gone past that and into you know here's the setup but it, all, all bets are off now but right <laughs> they're, they're gonna take you wherever they take you yeah exactly and like the more i learn you know study about hakate or the more i study about hermetic tree of life it's all corroborated and it's stuff that i wouldn't normally known right but yeah. you do but i do and like that's that's the thing am i tapping into this retention that was submerged for for too long finally like unlocking stuff or is this an actual pathway outside of myself from my consciousness i think it's like i i wish i could study quantum physics right because we're talking about quantum consciousness yeah right? i guess we are right? yeah yeah um because then you're talking about both taking the journey and being everywhere at one time. Right. Um, which is a feeling that you experience when you go over there and is true. I mean, we're in linear time right now, but that's one time. Yeah. Um, time is actually just as diverse as everything else. So from our experience, there's a beginning and an end and, you know, all these other things are like happening, but really we're just in linear time. You know, linear time makes it hard to perceive out. Right side of taking kind of the mythic journey you know through right. the life yeah i would say both of those things are happening yeah i guess i could see that i think that brings me back to the question of is it through these t types of visions that you're receiving or being transmitted these meditation or these tools yes and how you know how is it that you kind of refine them or are you writing them down i write constantly yeah it's actually, it's difficult, you know, now that you've experienced it, yeah. I can only do at this point very brief meditations or I have like 40 pages to yeah. write. Yeah, uh, that's the exact problem I ran into, you yeah. know, was I remember so vividly everything, but what probably lasted a minute is now 10 pages worth of stuff. So yeah, yeah. you need a whole like CGI set. And, like, yeah. <laughs> and so like when you're getting, you know, these uh, methods and tools, is it usually after one session? or are you getting them in pieces and then putting them together? I think they come differently depending on what, uh, what I'm asking to shift or what I'm trying to figure right. out or what 
somebody is bringing me to try and figure out. Um, often some of the most amazing things come from a student coming and bringing me something that I've never got to look at or trying to discover before. Okay. So I think it depends on what I'm asking. The nerve one that I'm working on now is the most complex thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, not only am I using the tree of life, I have an altar that's dedicated to that, which I've also done a blood offering to it. Mm -hmm. And I'm using fire to make sigils throughout the tree okay while i'm also going like taking the story that i don't want to hold anymore up the tree and, and then the new one right down in the in that realm not yeah like, in that literally. realm yeah and that's just part of the things i'm doing right for this one so it's like the more i try and get all the way to the mineral plane mm -hmm. which is actually different from the physical body but there is a physical body that hasn't picked up minerals. Sure, sure. Yeah. So to get all the way down into the mineral plane, you know, where I'm adjusting something there, I am learning that it takes um, a complex series of forms. So that came over time. I do practice a lot. So this last three weeks, I've done an hour practice every night. Yeah. So because they told me it was going to take a lot for me to understand to get all the way to the nerve pain. So this is really complex, but they're not all that way. Right. You yeah. know, I guess, yeah. And that kind of informs me of what your actual practice is kind of like. And is it um, how much of it is learned and how much of it is intuitive? It comes from being intuitive first because I specifically did not read certain things and did not study certain things so that I could check and see if what I was doing true later. You know, like you have the experience now where you're studying more into a kate because of the way that I was brought up, I didn't know any of it. I barely knew Medusa's head was cut off. Right. Yeah, I just know like peripheral, you know. Yeah, things. So when they would come and visit and then give me information and then I could look up, that's actually the beginning of my proofs worked that way. Right. Because like, oh, Hades does have three dogs. Right. Uh, like, oh, Agate does have three heads. That yeah. was interesting. Two torches. Yeah. yeah. So, you be so I began to be like, okay, it's not all incorrect. Some of the correct imagery actually has made it through, um, you know, everything right. and is still with us. Yeah, I guess that comes back to it's been corroborating the archetype. Do you have a better word for it? Well, what they're doing is they're, they're allowing us to reflect parts of ourselves mm -hmm. back and forth so we can begin to understand the primal energies right and that sounds like archetypes and it looks like that because you hold the form of whatever you think of that in your etheric body uh -huh. so let's talk about let's see a good example of this would be christianity okay. so the really important thing i discovered is that it doesn't matter if you believe in it or not if you hear something over and over and over it is in your etheric form yeah it's kind of like commercials work that way right right if they just do it over Subliminal. yeah it's yeah. just over over and over so we all everybody that has heard that puritanical story of the christ mm -hmm. you know on the cross is um carrying that in their etheric body with them and another thing i learned is we can't we can't get rid of that story. Yeah, you can't exorcise. Yeah, I yeah, can't things like, that are incepted. I can't wipe the weird puritanical Christianity off the earth right now. Right. As much as I might wish that I could just do it. 
You know? can, can you, in fact, I guess you would shape it for yourself. You would change the story. Yeah. So what ha- because I was brought up with that, and we're talking like I was taking a church like three times a week. I memorized 1,600 Bible verses. I was on national Bible debate teams. Yeah. Um, I, it's brainwashing. You know, I didn't sure. even have proper textbooks, right? Yeah. So it's crazy, you know? <laughs> so um, my body I'm learning is that the, you know, what we call fibromyalgia right now uh-huh. is actually because my etheric body is holding those templates that are lies that are like not true about the the Christ energy, which mm-hmm. is completely different than we, you know, get shown it right now it's like the consciousness the christ consciousness yeah the christ consciousness that when i shift my understanding of the christ consciousness because that has gone all the way into causing pain into my body that the nerve pain goes away i see yeah so i'm taking stories that are warped that are not good and then i'm that are lies basically and then i'm i'm not getting rid of the beings I'm meeting them, encountering them, and listening to what they have to say about the, themselves and what, you know, happen. And then that adjusts in my etheric form. So whatever energy that was coming in from the astral outer that was able to make it in through that etheric shell to my body is no longer able to come in. Right. Because so I changed the shape. You're wearing it, like, in the somatic. Yes. Yeah. And your somatic self, it's, it's, you're showing the, the wear and tear or the weight of how harmful you find that because you you were from just such a you know mm-hmm. biblical like you know inferno of yeah <laughs> of knowledge and you know like you said brainwashing i imagine that in your mind those memories and those ideas are very brutal they're but they look like violence to me on right the, on the other side like, like even the etheric body will look like it's been cut into yeah it gets you know and then like kind of that like serpent form that i was talking about earlier that's supposed to kind of just naturally like come out looks like bent back in mm-hmm. on people so i see a lot of kind of like inverted serpent energy and kind of like sliced etheric forms and then they will also be sometimes too close to someone too far away not properly placed so there's like a lot of injury to that it actually really hurts us to carry around forms that aren't uh, reflecting the truth of the universe yeah it makes sense in the total um i hate to bring it back to psychology but there's like i I feel like a need to uh for me to fathom you know sure that i'm finally hearing some more of the mystical side of jungian psychology oh yeah and And you did get there in the end and like that's the whole thing like repressed memories and bad you know memories are totally gonna show up in the somatic reality and so you figured out through your practice and through your communications that you can actually clear that sounds like a scientology term uh, but yeah to kind of you know you rectify reconstruct my etheric body so that only the energy that i want to come in gets to come in okay um so and that's also, you know, getting rid of that. It's using your God goddess force because the tree is a creation form. So I'm uncreating the story that I was given and then recreating a new one. Right now. So I was walked backwards through the Christian story to do that. Right. So I started at the cross and then Lucifer walked me back through each thing the sphere the vinegar the thorns just kept walking wow. back so i got all the way back to the garden walk back, like, walk back, walk well, back. They, they do say the devil knows the bible 
better than yeah. the back of his hand or your hand were looping around but yeah. when did these beings start to like really make themselves known to you i went to a mystery school here in portland oh yeah and so i was practicing by myself for a long time mm -hmm. and um i was practicing with elders and basically they were helping me understand steiner and i came to find out later that they had created book groups just for me because oh, really? I, I needed it so badly they were just like we just have to she just needs this oh that's cool you know mm -hmm. i was working with them and doing that and i thought that i was going to stay within the anthroposophical society but then um it would be kind of a long story but my partner and i ended up moving to portland i had just got accepted to a psilocybin research program where you go into trance for eight hours and they fly in monks from around the world to take Whoa. you into meditation. Yeah. And I got the acceptance letter Whoa. here. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I'm I, still sad about it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I like, it's not the way I wanted to go. Cause I didn't want to open up with drugs, but that would have been an incredible experience. Yeah, yeah. totally. Just as a, so the universe was going to give me a school either way. You know, which was like cool, but I was, you know, I was like, thank you. So I ended up in Portland and I went to tattoo school. I'm a tattoo artist. Right. Um, I have a licensed studio here in Portland with my partner who's also a tattoo artist. And the school only has three students at a time. So that's like, you know, there's just like three of us. And one was like leaving and there happened to be um, a day where the person that was supposed to be there to unlock was late. And the new person walks up to join the school and she, it turns out that this woman had graduated with me and my partner the same year in Baltimore in 2005, but we had never known her. Oh, wow. So I'm meeting her for the first time here at a school. There's like only three of us. Right. She's the one that tells me about the mystery school, which was word of mouth. So I end up finding out from her that it exists mm -hmm. and going to the mystery school. And so I spent four years with them and it's just, it's just different when you have a teacher that's opened up their clairvoyant faculties around you. It just opens up so fast. You mean one that's already kind of experienced yeah. and learned it? Well, that? one of them had practiced for 30 years. Oh, right. You oh, know, yeah. so she's been doing it forever. So her trances just work. They're extremely powerful and extremely simple. Mm -hmm. She could just like kind of induce you into magic and put you in the underworld and you were just immediately seeing. It's just amazing. She's just been doing it for so long. Right. So because I was finally practicing with people that were actually doing exercises that strengthen their clairvoyant organs and wake them up, it was just like bam it just you know it just like opened up and they didn't realize at the time that i was overhearing things and it was kind of overwhelming at first yeah um i had a list at some point where 40 distinct things were talking to me and i could list them by name you, you had mentioned, mentioned to me before, before it was like, like um they it's, it's like, like uh, them, them noticing someone, someone can actually hear them, them. Now. Yeah, and so they all rush. Yeah, it's like a light heard. bulb going off in like a dark sea of nothingness. <laughs> right. You know, it's and like a, and a sea of moths. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like everything is like okay, oh thank god someone can pick up the phone. Yeah. They the beings in the universe are waiting for us to understand that it's better just to have communion and conversation with them than it is to perceive them as deity or something far away to worship in which we don't have communication with okay you know we've kind of left that we just have like prayer now it's like right. prayer is just going out that's not like learning how to like receive information from the other side yeah so and we're just living in an age where that is 
changing. I mean, the people that are younger than us are phenomenally clairvoyant. That's what you were they're saying. You were so saying open. something about this next generation where yeah, you, you, it, you're feeling that they're going to be super... They're coming in. Like, the next generations are going to be a, more and more clairvoyant just born with it. They're not going to have to, you know, think about, like, Crowley. He had to do rituals for how long? I know, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, how long are the rituals had to be for them to be able to talk to something? Yeah. I mean, we're in a different age now. Yeah. We can just drop in. Totally. I wonder if the screens are what we think is stunting growth is actually kind of shielding us from the somatic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, the assumption that everything is subjective and it can't be studied objectively is keeping us out of understanding any of it. Right. We don't know what happens before we're born or after we die or in, you know, it, there's a lot that we don't know anything about. We don't even know what we're really doing when we sleep. Right. You know, someone was saying before that magic is like understanding the the severity of brilliance of the mundane and how we're so apathetic to these universal mysteries that happen to us every day. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has been amazing. Thank you for having me. I am yeah. happy to meet someone who is sincere about interviewing occultists and yeah. allows us to speak and create like a safe container for a conversation. Yeah, I've been saying, you know, this is this is my mystery school. I don't really have the ability for tuition in the material or ethereal. <laughs> this has been just a way to cultivate artists and people I respect, dipping into those crazy ratitudes, as I call them. Yeah, and that's part of my mission is to, like, create, um, you know, I'm going to be doing a YouTube channel where I lead trances. Yeah. And um, that's going to start next year. That's a bit, yeah, I, uh, I highly recommend that. Because it's just going to be... It's so much easier to do it if someone's helping you. That just, it just is, you know? Yeah. So I want to create, and I never had enough money. I mean, if you're an artist, you don't have enough money. That's right. like how that goes. Yeah, You're totally. like, it's not what I live off of. You know, you got to like- hunger to learn and not yeah. enough money to burn. I have sure. bought that paint tube and ate ramen noodle, you <laughs> yeah. know? And like been almost, yeah, a wave of nothingness to oh, be yeah. able to make artwork. So I totally get coming from that place and not having enough income to do that. So, um, Part of what I want to do is create things where maybe everybody just has to like donate five dollars, and I'm able to take them on exactly. a series of trances. And, and do you brings me to you have like a Patreon? I'm going to do that next. Um, I've decided that one of the ways I'm going to use it. Actually, I should probably say this now. Um, if you are someone who has nerve pain in your body, and you would like to do meditations that uh, potentially move that. Um, just shoot me an email so I know that you're out there. Um, I want to collect from 30 to 50 people that are interested in doing that mm -hmm. um, and doing a series of meditations throughout a month. It will be fairly intense. We'll probably do four meditations a week. Okay. Um, so if you're someone out there that hears that and thinks like, I'm that person, I have that nerve pain, I would like to use meditation to try and figure it out. Um, email me um, at thebookofbeast at gmail.com. Um, you can email me through my Instagram if you forget that yeah, title. I'll put um, all those links yeah. in the show description. Yeah, so just let me know you're out there and I will keep that information and contact you when it's time for that. And that's how I would use Patreon, you know, right? Yeah. something like that. And that way that gives me a chance to also research and see if it works and hopefully help some people. Not a disclaimer, but just to mention that that was a, that's still in the experimental phase. Yeah. You're not saying you're going to fix nerve pain. It's um, no, it's just that I, 
as of right now have experienced things that I are this stuff blows my mind right yeah. now. It's part of why I love doing it because I am never bored. My mind is blown over and <laughs> yeah. over and over again. It's like it's no exhausting. end. Sometimes I need yeah. a break. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like stop doing that. Yeah. So lately, my practice because I've been working with Lucifer. He, I was telling you earlier, he kind of dared me. You know, I was like, he's like, you think you? I can't get rid of your nerve pain. I can't help you with that. And I was like, eh, well, prove it. Mm-hmm. Like, I need proof. So, so you want to see how that reflects. yeah so i've been doing it for a while and i have gotten rid of nerve pain in my body that is i thought impossible to get rid of yeah. so it's something that and it has to do with the tree of life and it has to do with getting rid of some of those stories so like going up getting rid of it so, bringing yeah. in the new one you know back down mm-hmm. um yeah so i don't know if it works f- for other people in that way but uh the reason that i'm asking for it to be shown to me is so that it does so yeah. i'm gonna expect that it could work for people and yeah totally but i'm still developing it but if you're just got you know if you just had that feeling you're like yes that's me send me an email <laughs> very cool well yeah i think that's perfect to leave it on yeah thanks again thanks so much <laughs> thank the amazing clairvoyant crusader the book of beasts elizabeth kenimer for allowing me to be her first in podcasting in the show notes you'll find her email her website all of her contact information and i emphasize this She wants questions. If you want to know anything at all about the process that we talked about, about her nerve pain situation, she urges me to implore you to message her. For those interested in hearing a lot more from this session, as quite a bit had to be left on the cutting room floor for this wide release due to time, I urge you to subscribe to Prag Magic through our art collective's Patreon at patreon.com slash wethehallowed. And for just a buck a month, you'll get full, uncut interviews without all of my rambling and advertising. The instrumental tracks from Dakota Slim that are being used as theme music for this very show and so much more. It's a buck. Speaking of the art collective We The Hallowed, this session with Elizabeth provided me with one hell of a revelation. Last year, We The Hallowed ran a monthly salon series at a local venue. The salon showcased live interviews with other artists and thinkers and actually spawned the creation of this very podcast. However, after the residency ended, I think we all took a long breather. It was a lot of work. However, inviting Elizabeth over, and as we sat in my cozy living room and chatted, it occurred to me that the salons need to happen again, but at a more intimate degree. So I'm happy to announce that on January 27th, we the hallowed salon and dinner will debut again 
featuring Elizabeth Kenimer, The Book of Beasts, and workshopping some of her enlightening meditation sessions. This will be held for We The Hallowed members, Patreon members, with a small portion of tickets being sold. It will also double as a benefit to help warm the homeless here in the Narrows of Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to learn more, please email pragmagic at gmail.com for further instructions. And as always, as we say in We the Hallowed, that the only way to live forever is to haunt on through ideas and through art. So, haunt on.